What is going on, Badger fans? Welcome to an awesome episode of Lockdown Badgers. One of my favorite guests is on the show today. We're going to chop up some basketball talk. Has Gray Guard succeeded this offseason, or does he need more to do more? And how does AJ Store impact the rest of the roster? Plus, more on today's Lockdown Badgers with a great guest on Wisconsin. And let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Badger fans? Welcome to Locked On Badgers, your team every single day. I'm your host, Ryan Harris, as always. Really do appreciate every single person who gives any of your time to either watch, listen, however you're doing it. Thank you so much as we built this Badger community. A great guest today joining us again, a friend of the show, Dylan Graff, Badger Notes. Uh, and just a genuinely really good human being. Uh, had an awesome chance to meet up with Dylan when we did our live event. Um, Dylan, thank you as always, my friend, for giving some time. No, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. And it was a pleasure meeting you all down at the launch. It was awesome. And I definitely want to take the opportunity. Where can people find what you're doing, uh, building up your own community? Uh, so right now, uh, just writing over at badgernotes.com, uh, putting a lot of work into kind of trying to get that off the ground, uh, establish some partnerships, kind of continue growing our writing staff. And, you know, we we have some things kind of coming up in the the new future, we're looking to branch out into a few other things, but for the time being, I'll kind of keep that under wraps. But uh, we're just trying to continue moving things forward. Now, and listen, if, if you want more good Patrick content, which we're, that's what we're all about, um, everything Dylan is doing, I had a chance to meet some of his writers. I subscribe over there. The amount of content they put out is not just timely, but it's insightful. I would highly, highly suggest um, going to check out what they're doing. So we'll link all that in our show notes as always, but definitely check out what Dylan's doing and his staff is doing over there. Uh, and one of the things I want to have you on, man, is I haven't talked basketball in a minute, and I really want to chop up some topics. I want to start here. AJ Store obviously committed. That's not new news. Transfer portal, uh, St. John's four-star player, six-six wing. A lot of play people have talked about the player. I want to go into his fit on this roster. How does he make the players around him better? How does he make this team better? Is he a floor raiser, a ceiling raiser? I'm going to kick it over to you. How does AJ impact the team? Well, I, I will say from the beginning that this addition exceeded my expectations of what I thought was possible. Um, you know, even going back to last offseason, I thought that it was critically important that they add someone who could play the three, but had like more prototypical three size um, from like a length, def just defensively overall, and someone who could space the floor. And AJ Store brings all of that. And the thing is, everything we we're missing with Johnny this year, he brings a lot of those same tools. But the beauty of what he's bringing to the Badgers next season is kind of everyone who is going to benefit from him being there. And, you know, we got guys like Asijin and Chucky who are two of the Big Ten's best three-point shooters. They benefit from a guy like Storr who continues to space the floor. I mean, these guys were getting keyed on all the time. When you have your one through three in your starting lineup that are – I mean, essentially all roughly 40% three-point shooters. Like, that's a hell of a place to start. And then that's not even accounting for Max Klesmet, who shot 38% himself. You know, I, I think just right there, it's the spacing that that's going to provide overall. And their ability to, this is the part I'm most intrigued for is, I mean, he was a 96th percentile scorer out in transition, which is obviously not something Wisconsin does a lot of. But going back to the Johnny Davis season, that year was, by far the fastest pace that they've played. And it was because they had someone like Johnny who was capable of getting on running. And I, you know, store is someone who can kind of help elevate that ceiling in that way. And so I'm, I'm really hopeful that they will continue to push the pace a little bit like that. And 
just overall, he makes everybody better because this is a top 100 talent from his class. Like if this was, I, I, I don't know how this couldn't have fans excited. I mean, this, uh, if we landed a, a top 100 talent last year to go along with siege and people would have been over the moon. So anyone who's trying to downplay this fit after a solid season playing for St. John's is just out of their mind. Well, and one of the things you, you hit on it a little bit, a little more size on the wing. Uh, I thought one of the areas the Badgers struggled at that we didn't talk about, or maybe I didn't, I should, I shouldn't put everyone in that box. I think they struggled with some more physical guards and some more physical wings defensively. Um, oh, 100%. I mean, I, I think that we're used to seeing if Wisconsin struggles offensively, which is not, you know, 100% out of the norm, like they're always able to lean, hang their hat on something, you know, either they are a great three point shooting team. They're a rock solid defensive team. Like they always have something to hang their hat on when the rest isn't going right. And last year they didn't have that. And I think part of that was defensively, they weren't a terrific matchup because one, we, we don't have to rehash all, but obviously they didn't have the depth. And beyond that, like they they only had so many guys that they could afford to play in a game to keep it close. There was just a razor thin margin for error and not having someone who could fill minutes as your more prototypical three who could even maybe some situations slide down, play the four. Just not having that ability and having two guys that were, you know, six, four, six, three playing on the wing is, is tough in a league like this. Uh, a couple comments here. I just want to get to them. Shell says, let's go. What's up, Shell? Tyler, Ryan, what's up? What's up, Tyler? Evan over there, let's go Badgers. Tyler comes back, says, guard has not done enough. I want an upperclassman big man to back up Crowell. Believe you me, we are talking about this in our next segment with Dylan. We're definitely going to get into that, Tyler. Uh, what's up, John? John is one of the best commenters on the show. Uh, so a bunch of comments here I want to keep getting into. Uh, this one right here, Dylan, from Brian D. Does it bother you that he isn't getting the in-state recruits? Speaking of great guards, is that something that matters to you? Um, it's not that it doesn't like matter, but I would say overall, it's not the same as football, like whatsoever. Basketball recruiting is entirely different. And yes, would it, it, would it be great for the school to keep their in-state kids home? Of course. And, you know, is the, you know, is the system something that holds them back from getting those top tier athletes? Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. I mean, anyone who says otherwise is they're, they're wrong, but no, overall, it doesn't matter because at the at the end of the day, they're still finding kids that are terrific fits for the program and kind of what they're trying to do systematically. So I'll say overall, no. Now, are there certain guys that are a bigger deal to miss on? Yes. Like when we're not getting a Patrick Baldwin, you know, so be it. When we're not getting a Seth Trimble, like, you know, th those are things that are just unrealistic. Their playing style doesn't – you can – you could as guard, like, you know, translate that to their game, but it doesn't mesh with the style. So it's not like that's somebody who's all in on, but, you know, coming up like a kind knipple or something like that. Like that's someone who is just cookie cutter for this school has ties to this school, loves Wisconsin. Like to me, that would be a big miss. So I, I think it's kind of situational and I, you know, I, do, I guess I don't mean to hedge, but I, I think it is all, I think context matters. I think that's a fair. I think that's a very fair way to put it. I do want to continue on that track because some of doing a live show, we kind of go off on tangents, which I think is great because we get the community involved and we get really good questions. Absolutely, uh, Con Knipple, I love his game. I, I think he is a ready-made scorer at the next level. I think he would fit the Badger style perfectly. What does your gut tell you with his recruitment? Um, I I know Wisconsin's right there, but where do you think he potentially ends up? I don't want to put you on a spot. No, no, not at all. Um, so. 
in speaking to somebody who I, whose opinion I value very much, uh, you know, this thing is far from over. And the longer that it goes on in the summer, that would be less beneficial for Wisconsin. But at present, it kind of sounds like it's a two horse race between Wisconsin and Virginia and really only those two. Um, there are a lot of things about Virginia that I've been told that are that maybe he prefers. However, the proximity to home to him does really matter. And the fact that I'm not hearing Marquette tied with them the same way, I think kind of bodes well for Wisconsin overall. Um, he's prioritized lining up other visits because he knows he can visit Wisconsin wherever. I think he's very comfortable with what Wisconsin has to offer. I, I'm not going to say that like I'm expecting him to commit to Wisconsin. However, from somebody I trust, they're saying it's a two-horse race right now. Uh, Shell says that means we're toast. <laughs> no, I listen, hope, sure hope not. Virginia is kind of like supercharged Wisconsin, though, right? They've proven they yeah. can actually win. At, they, they play a similar style. Uh, Bennett's obviously incredible. They've proven they can win at a little higher level at this point. Um, and that's a great area of the country, a great academic school, good basketball conference. Like right, a, lot of, a lot of what you get at Wisconsin, you get at Virginia outside of the proximity. Uh, I want to finish here with AJ Store, Dylan, before we move on to the next one. Um, we there was a lot of discussion last year, and, and I don't know if it really mattered, but we talked about who who is the best player on this team, what, what's the hierarchy, where does Store do you think fit into the hierarchy of Hepburn, Connor, Tyler Wall, Stephen Crowell? Is he? Uh, let me rephrase it. A lot of people thought last year's team had a lot of kind of B players, but no no great player. Is Store just going to kind of fit into that mix? Um. I guess I, it'll be a two-pronged answer for me. I would say next season, I think he'll blend in, not not to diminish his game whatsoever. I, I'm highly excited about what he can be, and I think he'll get there pretty quick. But I I don't expect him to step in and be the alpha guy right away, uh, especially on a team that maybe hasn't even had an alpha establish itself. I think what you'll see is a hybrid version of what you saw this past year where it's kind of a different guy all the time, but I think that he'll be very much in the mix to be that guy. Probably someone who comes in, scores double digits a game, but has a higher ceiling than that. Uh, long-term, I, I think that he absolutely can be, you know, a 1A type scorer for the program. I I would say that'd be my expectation for him maybe as a junior uh, while still getting terrific contributions from him as early as next year. I I firmly believe he is coming here to start, and I think that he's going to be a focal point on offense right away. What that means, it's hard It's hard to decipher. Most Wisconsin teams kind of have a fairly even split in terms of usage, and I, I, I would say I probably lean that way again. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about does Greg Gard need to land a big this offseason for this offseason to be a success, and also what does AJ Store come in and meet for Max Klesman? We're going to get into that next on Lockdown Badgers with Dylan Graff. Uh, but first, today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Built Bar. Listen, you know, sometimes you meet some people in life like Dylan Graff and you feel like, man, that dude's in really good shape. I got to work out a little bit more. I got to get a little healthier. I need a little Built Bar in my life. Uh, so if you want to look a little bit like Dylan, get some Built Bars, throw it in your back pocket, throw it in your backpack. It is the summer of getting healthier. Uh, health is wealth. And Built Bar is one of your tools on that roadmap to that journey. Um, great flavors. I love the churro. I've had other people tell me they love the cookies and cream. I don't know how they do it, but they do incredible best tasting protein bars on the planet that are also healthy. They've cracked the code. 100% real chocolate, incredible flavors. 
not a lot of calories, a ton of protein, and you can get them now. You, you don't need to go online to get the boxes. They've gone mainstream because people love what they do. So go to Walmart, get your four-bar box, or go to Sam's Club, get your 13-bar variety box. Again, I don't know how they do it. They also do a double chocolate bar, which is incredible. Um, again, if you want to look a little bit like Dylan Graff, get a little healthier, get you a Built Bar. That's the plan. That's what I'm at. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. You will thank me later. And again, I want to say thank you to every single person who's tuned in. Uh, just this random live show today, we got 35 people in here, which is absolutely amazing and humbling. Uh, if you're watching the podcast later on the YouTube, wherever you're at, thank you so much for helping us build this community. Um, and let's get Dylan back on here. I want to go to this comment here, uh, Dylan. This is from Scott Siegel. I think this was an interesting discussion point with any transfer coming in. What does this mean for, for Connor, for Max? Where's the scoring off the bench coming from? I think we all, we talked about this at the live. This, you know, Max is the guy that's going to come off the bench. That was, I thought, pretty obvious. Yep. Is that a good fit for him? And do you like that? Uh, yeah, I definitely do. Um, and I say that fully acknowledging that like Max Klesman really came out at the end of the season. Like he, at the beginning of the year, you know, he was just trying to fill a little bit of a, more of a niche role. And by the end of the year, he was, he was finding his spots. He was a lot more confident taking like hunting his shot. And honestly, I think, the ability to come and be the team's sixth man will almost benefit him uh, more than that because I think he can ha have a higher usage in that role than he would if he was with the starting lineup. I mean, that's just my own opinion, but I, I, it's kind of the same way I think that like the Badgers overall, if they had enough playable guys, that Connor would have benefited the most from a scoring standpoint coming off the bench. However, that simply was not an option last year. He had to start, and I think that Max will – thrive in a similar role um with that being said i think that at least as the roster stands right now he's going to be getting plenty of minutes kind of behind chucky as well uh filling really in at the one and the two and realistically the three if you want to kick connor down i i think he is going to be playing plenty of minutes i don't think that you know him not starting is going to mean that he's gonna be playing anything less than 25 minutes a game well yeah and i think the the starting thing gets a little overblown i mean that <laughs> certainly matters for players right but it if you play 25, 30 minutes a game, you're essentially like the nickel corner in football. You're essentially a starter. Even yeah. You may not be the traditionally listed guy. I want to ask you this. And I, I'm is, is Max the best fit for the bench simply because he's the least likely to transfer in a way? I, I don't, I, I want to work that in a certain way, but yeah. Now, I mean, nowadays that's an incredibly fair question to ask. And sure. Uh, I, I, I would say, yeah, to some degree. I mean, you run the risk of losing, you know, somebody else at your one through three, if, if it wasn't going to be him. And obviously he's shown a tremendous commitment and love for what it means to be a Badger. And that's why I think he was so, so quickly embraced by the fan base. I mean, he spent one year with us and I just speaking for myself, seems like he's been here longer because he just kind of hit the ground running, embraced the culture. He's a dog. Like I, I love Max Klesman. He's one of my favorite players on the team. Just everything he brings, I think is invaluable, whether or not he cares to be a scorer or not, what he brings on both ends. I mean, I always go back to what he did defensively against Jamison Battle. Like, yes. you're giving up five inches on him, you know, four inches, whatever. And he gave him fits all night long. Like, I, I love everything he brings to the team. And I think that he's just going to be every bit of the spark plug he was this past season, just with a more talented lineup. And Chell says he's a certified dog. I agree with that. Uh, Brian D, I'm going to get to your comment in a second. I want to ask you this. Who's the better on-ball defender? Is it Klesman or Hepburn? I think Hepburn has quicker hands, uh, probably a little stronger potentially, but I was really impressed with Klesman last year. I, I, that's a really good question. I, I'm 
I'm going to side with Chucky and it's going, I'm going to say it has more to do with his foot speed for me. Uh, what Klesmith does really well is he is so well studied that he beats people to their spot all the time and just doesn't have the off switch. He fights through the screens. However, Chucky is more fleet footed and is able to get over top of screens pretty easily. And I don't know when people are trying to be in a foot race, getting downhill against him. Like he, what he does to me is special in terms of like just his natural ability. I'm going to side with Chucky because when he turns it on, and he decides he wants to shut down a guy and pick him up five feet off the three-point line. Like, I, I've seen better players shut down. So I, I'm going to go with him. However, I have the utmost respect for what Klesman is doing because at six foot three, you, you don't often see that from someone his size. Yeah, that's well said. And also, you go back to that Michigan game, that block at the end that should have basically sealed it. That was an incredible play. I lost my mind. So uh, I want to get Brian's comment here. This, I think this is a huge question for how good next year's team is going to be. Will we see the 21 version of Wall or the 22 version? Uh, before I kick it to you, I have a couple really quick thoughts on this. Yeah. I really it's, – it's like, it is what it is. Injuries hampered Wall last year. Like that – you hate to say that's the only reason, but that's part of it. Okay, so if you get a healthy Wall, that's already eliminating that, that potential issue. But he also was saddled with a, a much – I don't think the, the version of wall you want is the version of wall that had the usage rate he had last year. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, I, I think that what I'm hoping for out of wall is to split the difference. And that, that's because he, he was so high efficiency in 21. You know, we're talking about a guy who was in like the 92nd percentile for scoring on low post possessions. And so much of that is because you had guys like Davison and Johnny who were able to – pull so much attention away that he was in one-on-one situations way more often. And, you know, he did. And to be fair, like he just connected a crazy clip and I probably bought more into his ability to continue doing that more than I ought than more than I should have. Um, but I also do not believe in any way that like the player we saw last year was indicative of who he is because we have too large of a sample size on him. Um, you know, not to, given the out with the injury, like at the end of the day, you have to be better. You're taking most of your shots within five feet of the rim, but by adding another guy like store this coming season and more than anything, this will continue to be my pound the table point all off season. If Steven Crow can connect at 33, 34% from beyond the arc, that will make Tyler wall an infinitely better player. The, the biggest issue we had last year was we had, two bigs who could not space the floor. And really the part of the issue with that is when you're, you don't really have pick and roll bigs with them, but they weren't pick and pop bigs last year either. And they were both just kind of tweeners and that wasn't enough. And mm. may, I, I believe that Steven crawl can connect at a decent enough clip. I think that he can keep teams honest. I think he can hit at 33%. If he's able to do that, I think the entire offense opens up so much that the team missed a floor spacing big like nobody could believe that's a great point and again this is why we have dylan on because i think we get smarter talking to to people like dylan this this team to your point didn't have the pick and pop but they also don't have a, a rim running big where you can yeah. run a pick and roll and generate rim pressure in that sense so it, it really did have two bigs that are caught in between and you can have one of those guys and surround them with shooters and be successful 100 you have two and this also then leads into the depth problems because both those dudes had to play a lot because you didn't have a backup five this is right. all connected Mm -hmm. um, I want to get into this question here because this is one of the main points I wanted to talk about. And we got a lot of comments here. Um, a big. So we, we talked 
a lot last year. You were on the show we talked about last year that yep. we we don't have a backup five, and Gar didn't address that. So going through the portal again this year, we still have not addressed that backup five. Multiple questions here. I want to start with, is this offseason a failure if he doesn't do that? Uh, I definitely won't say it's a failure because – even if he would have only landed store, I would have viewed that as a positive, but uh, no, I'm not going to say it's a failure because at this point uh, kind of examining the fits, I I'll have something coming out shortly about, you know, out of the remaining players who, who could make sense, who might have connections. However, um, you know, I I've heard through a fairly trusted source that Wisconsin is not completely shut off the idea of bringing in a big, however, they've, largely exhausted the players that they were interested in uh, with the last one being Robbie Baran that they, they, they had a lot of interest in and tried to coerce into getting on campus. However, it was just more important to him that he returned home. And that for them, they were kind of of the opinion that if we're bringing in a big, it needs to be a no doubt addition, somebody who we think elevates the ceiling of this team overall. And if that is not the case, if that player does not, you know, come it, it does not present itself uh that they're actually very happy with their incoming class and are of the opinion that both yeldon and winter are in a better spot to compete and log those minutes than initially thought i mean i don't know if anyone has kind of been keeping tabs on gus but he's down over 20 pounds right now and he's putting in a lot of work physically and he's already very strong and i anyone who knows me knows how big of a fan i am of his game in general and i think that you know, already, as long as he could be a competent defensive player that he gives you more than you got last year off the bench in that position. And, you know, beyond that, Nolan Winter, I just spoke with him the other day. You know, there's this notion out there that he's 190 pounds. Well, that's that is not true. He is currently 220 pounds. And, you know, his his game has evolved so much over this over the past year. Like I, I am wildly impressed with the leaps that I thought he took from junior to senior year. Um, just an, he's a very fluid athlete. He, he provides something as a shooter. And what we're talking about here needing to fill these minutes is a matter of 10, 15 minutes. And I think that already you have two players who from day one give you more at the position than you had a year ago. And we were, you know, on the cusp a year ago, rolling out Carter Gilmore as our five. And so, no, I'm certainly not going to view it as a failure if, you know, we don't land a big, do I think that a, a, a seven footer who could protect the rim, you know, at an elite clip would do something for this team? Absolutely. I think that they would be better because of it. However, if we don't find someone who's a no brainer, these two guys already, in my opinion, are better than what we had a year ago. And so even if we don't add anything, we're still like, our team is better today because of it. I love that answer. And anyone who's watched this show knows how big of a fan I am of Gussie Alden. Cause Here's the I now the Nolan Winter thing I want to talk about too. In fact, let, let's pause there because I want to come back to that. We got to take a very quick break for our friends of the show, and then we're gonna get back to this conversation, plus a bunch more of your comments. I see Bo Dragon, Shell, John Berger, Dylan, Texas Badger, a bunch more comments. We'll get into that next with Dylan uh, Grapple from Badger Notes. But first, a quick break for our friends of the show. And a quick break once again to say thank you to the everydayers who are here every day grinding with us, watching Badger content, consuming it, and we're doing it as a community. It's again, it's all about all of us coming together to talk about something we love. Um, and that's why we're here. That's why Dylan's here. And that's why he does what he does. Sorry, I shouldn't speak for you, but uh, Badger Notes is very similar. I feel like to what we're doing here, just in more of a Absolutely. written way. Yep. So one and the same. I want I want to go here because I've 
for a while now come to the, the realization and I'm pre- I feel pretty good about it. Um, by the way, Gus is not this. You talked about people uh, under the impression that Nolan Winter is 190 pounds. People are still under the impression that Gus Yaldin is six eight. Like this, Gus is taller now. Like he's he he told me <laughs> he let me know. Like hey, why are people still calling me six eight? Like I'm I'm si- about six ten now. If you're six ten with footwork, IQ, toughness, competitiveness, he's played at a really high level in the high school circuit. Like I think that's the backup five next year, and honestly, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I could, I mean, I completely agree. I, I think he's going to come in and be able to be an impact player. And by that, I mean, I mean, just look at benches of years past. I mean, you're not often many years able to have more than really one guy who can count on for any kind of scoring punch. And I, I think that you can comfortably say that with Max and, you know, Gus coming off the, the pine next year that you're going to have that. Like, I'm not saying that every night he's going to come in and pour 10, but like, I, I feel very confident that he's going to come in and there are going to be nights that they can lean on him. Like he, he's far more skilled and he's played such a high level of competition. It's one of my biggest qualms with the the rankings system in general. You know, I, I, I had written the other day, like two, four, seven, put out their final recruiting rankings, of the 23, 2023 class and Gus dropped 10 more spots. And I just, I, I, I just, I, I cannot wrap my head around this. You know, it, it, we know full well if he's playing at yeah. a local high school and giving them 30 and 20 a night, like he, he, he would eat these kids alive. And instead he's playing against some five stars in the best basketball conference that high school has to offer. And he's one of the most potent and efficient scoring threats and one of the better rebounders in the league on top of it. And he dropped. I just, just hard for me to kind of wrap my head around, you know, I, I, if people have an issue with their ceiling with his ceiling, you know, I guess that's their, that's their thing. But I, I think his fit with the program is unmatched. You know, he's, he, he's a perfect fit for the program. And on top of that, like I enjoy Nolan winter just as much. I think that he gives you a floor spacing big who offers a lot of upside. Like he, he can put, he can put the ball on the floor. Like he moves really, really well. I'm not sure that I see him playing the three like I've heard the coaching staff is sort of pitched to him, you know, that that kind of role. I'm not sure I see that, but, you know, just I, I think that he can create some serious mismatches for the right people, too. Like I very high on the future of that tandem in general, and I feel confident that they can fill the minutes that everybody is very concerned about being filled. Well, and I wanted to – sorry, I was scrolling through comments when you are talking because they reminded me of a comment Nate Heiss put up here. Nate, thank you for the comment, by the way. Would love to see an actual athletic big man for once. I think that is – that's winter. I mean, yeah. right, I mean, I think that's the guy to fill that need. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's a really overused comp, and I'm, I'm going to use it anyway. But, like, they're – I'm not saying that he can become this. Just saying that, like, this is kind of the scope of the athlete and potential is that of a, a John Luer. Like, you know, he, he's – a lanky big who can run has some ball skills, like can extend the floor, but like you get a guy flat footed and they can put it on the deck two times and put like hang one on you. I, I, I think that he is someone to be really excited about. And again, like he's put on considerably more weight than his recruiting profile shows. So you don't have to worry about him coming in as a string bean. He, he he's putting on weight and he'll be ready. I want to throw this comment up. So Bo Dragon jumps on a lot of basketball shows. Guard sucks. Badgers will never do anything as long as he's a coach. Later suckers. Uh, I, I throw this up here partially because I love Bo. He's he's one of our he's one of the I best. Do not. I've I've been admiring Bo from a distance for a long time now. Bo, big fan. 
Yeah, I love Bo. But I did want to use this to segue into another conversation that we had with Rajiv and Justin on a different show, Dylan. I want your take on it because uh, this generated a ton of comments. Which program is more likely to win a national title, Badgers football or Badgers basketball? And even before you answer, I learned that it isn't so much a Badgers football basketball thing for a lot of people. It's a Badgers football versus great guard thing. Yeah, I so I, I will give my answer and then kind of dive into the second part. Uh, for me, I think it is very clearly the basketball program. That's not because I'm saying that like it's my expectation that all of a sudden we're going to win a national championship. I think that's just strictly a number standpoint. Like mathematically, you're talking about such like a lot smaller roster and the probability of hitting on one or two guys who could carry your roster much like we've seen, obviously Decker was a five-star talent, but Frank Kaminsky wasn't, you know, he's a three who developed. And when you had two stars and a lot of guys who could star in their roles, how far that can go in the team chemistry. And I, I'm, I think in general, I'm going to pick the basketball program because I think in football, when you're talking about that big of rosters and the talent gaps that already exist, you know, even between a four team playoff and like, what is it, what it's going to expand to, that's too big of a gap, in my opinion, to to overcome. And I'd I'd love to be wrong. I I I would absolutely love for football to just make me look like a fool three years from now. But I I just think statistically and mathematically speaking that like your probability is so much higher in basketball that I I, I have to go with them. Um, now to your second point though about it being a Wisconsin basketball program versus Greg Gard thing, like I think that is that's 100% anyone who argues the other way. I think that they're just looking through it, looking at that through the lens of their, you know, dislike for Greg guard. And, you know, I understand that he's a very polarizing person, like coach, you know, maybe not a person, but people either love him or they don't, you know, maybe they, they loved aspects of how Bo played basketball and how Greg kind of continued that. And some don't, some people never liked it, even when they did have their, the run that they did. And, you know, for that, like, I understand that, you know, everybody is entitled to their own opinion. Everybody has something that's more aesthetically appealing to watch to them that they want their program to reflect. Everyone's entitled to that. You know, I, I like what I like. You like what you like. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter at the end of the day. But, you know, the, we are all Wisconsin Badger fans. Like, do we I, I can understand if you don't love their style, but if you are rooting against your head coach to not do well. Like I, I just can't understand that much, I guess. Well, let me say this. So I, and I agree with you, you and I have talked about this a lot. I think we're in a similar boat with Greg guard in, in that. And I don't want to speak for you certainly, but in that he's a good coach, things can be cleaned up. Um, but we shouldn't sweep, you know, the, the regular season titles that a lot of people do though. Those matter. The I fact that he landed matter. I mean, that, that matters. Exactly. As you said, you know, there are plenty of things to be cleaned up. I'm not going to sit here and say, think he's running it perfectly. You know, there, there are a lot of things that can be done differently. A lot of things that can be improved, but I mean, to dismiss what he's been able to do anyway, I think is just, you're, you've already made up your mind on him and then you're, you're just only choosing to see what you want to see. Let me finish up on this with Greg Gard, and then we'll we'll grab a couple more quick comments before I, I, I steal any more of your time. You're already over what you said you'd give me, which is incredible. No, you're good. What is, because I have an answer for this. I'm curious where you are. And I think we we can like Greg Gard, but still look at things objectively here. What is one thing about Greg Gard that does drive you nuts? Where you're like, I wish he, this part of the equation was a little different. Um, I, For me, I, I'm going, 
My answer is going to be on the recruiting front, but it's not because I think that he's this terrible recruiter that everybody seems to think, because honestly, I think he does a wonderful job of identifying system fits. However, what I would like to see more of is the occasional tendency breaker, you know, I pursuing an athlete like a Khalil Iverson because he can give you something so different. And part of that is he does a Greg guard is known nationally as like an elite evaluator of talent. A lot of people make moves after he has already moved on them. And part of that is, I think he does a great job of identifying that first crop of talent that like he really wants However, I don't think he does a good enough job kind of blanketing beyond that and having true plan B's. And when you go all all in on a guy and aren't able to secure them in June before the July evaluation period, and that's when the Blue Bloods kind of dive in, you know, as you saw with like a Garrick Norman last year, someone who Wisconsin was very close to getting, you know, all of a sudden they weren't able to kind of close it right away. They didn't really have anyone beyond that and that kind of – spiraled into the off season of just uncertainty and didn't you don't have enough plan B guys and not saying don't don't settle for a plan B guy but sometimes you wait too long on a plan A you end up with a plan C I I wish that they would just kind of extend those you know all branches a little bit to certain prospects there there are guys that they they do what they can to kind of keep a relationship with them but it's not enough it's too late when they already have other strong power five programs that have already offered them and are pursuing them it's that that is what i would like to see change perhaps a greater allocation to resources recruiting i don't know if that means you've bring in some kind of recruiting ace who can work alongside krabenhoff who's done a lot of wonderful things on the recruiting front especially in landing system fits but i'd say being more aggressive i guess and you know adding in some tendency breakers. I think system fits are wonderful. However, there are clearly certain skill sets that the roster is lacking that I think you have to be willing to take a chance on from time to time. Yeah, I think that's well said. Um, and it, it delves into a little bit of my frustration as well. It's that one of the interesting things to me, and we'll have to talk about this in another show because we won't have time to go on to this segue, how hyper-analyzed uh, we, we do with the football assistant coaches, right? Every time Paul Chris hired somebody, we lost our mind. Like, how is he going to recruit? And we really never talk about it with basketball assistants. I just think it's a very interesting tangent um, that deserves its own show. One of the things that, and I guess, again, uh, what you said kind of is going to dive and dovetail into what I'm about to say. I actually think he's a little overrated as a talent identifier and evaluator. And that's what frustrates me. And it's not the initial wave. If you're going to be lauded as a great talent identifier and you go out and land a Kamari McGee as a transfer, he needs to have a better role because he's taking up a scholarship. Uh, A Marcus Silver, you know, these, these players that you brought in, I think part of the reason that, you know, we don't have the depth and we haven't had it for two years is he hasn't hit on those second tier guys. And I, I just don't think he's evaluated that talent well enough. And we're waste, wasting scholarships is the wrong term, but we're right. using scholarships on players that aren't contributing. And that has killed us the last two years. No, I, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, you know, in the case of like a Marcus Ilver, that one is really interesting because he committed to Wisconsin without ever being able to even set foot on campus, you know, due to COVID restrictions and all that. And like, I'm not giving him a pass for that. At the end of the day, you decided to take that chance. You know, you could have pursued to fill that spot in the portal. There were a lot of avenues you could have went that maybe made you more comfortable, but I, I, w- I would agree. You know, there are, there are plenty of guys that he's, that he's missed on. And 
this is the double-edged sword of it all people are in love with the recruiting rankings which i think are they have a place they're plenty important however some of you know the better recruiting rank players that we've had in the last three four years have been guys who haven't panned out and that's you know that is on him you know you can only afford so many misses especially at certain spots like when you're talking about point guard and you're talking about your, your five man, like you, you can't really afford to be wrong too many times. And, and I would, I would agree, you know, I, I expected more out of Kamari last year. Um, I, I, I I definitely did. Um, You know, I thought he saw, he showed some wonderful flashes. He was a really slow burn for the program. Um, I think he's, you still need more from him, but you know, that, that was a tough sell and a tough spot overall, you know, losing Lauren Bowman, a guy who you thought you were going to have for a handful of years. And, you know, you had a guy in your backyard who was willing, knowing full well that Chucky was in the same class and going to be there starting for the next three years. He didn't have a lot to sell and you took a chance and, you know, it's not, it's not a wasted spot yet. Year one was not as encouraging as I think we would have liked it to be though. I, 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 I agree with you. I think he's had plenty of, of misses as well. Yeah, and I think that's a a, a very um, a valid point in terms of McGee. Like that that book is not written yet. You know, you, you, I don't think you need to wait to say, "Hey, year one wasn't what we wanted." We can make that declaration right now. But it is certainly yeah. not a written book. Um, let me grab a couple more comments really quick here. This is from okay. Tyler Streber. Lack of adapting to in-game situations. I've heard a lot of people actually say on both sides of this. Some people consider Greg Ard, seem to consider him a very good in-game X's and O's coach. We're drawing up things, but we don't have the personnel to execute it, right? We're not shooting well enough. We don't have spacing. Uh, but some people, they don't see it. They don't like the end-game coaching. They don't like the in-game substitution patterns. They don't like the lack of using a bench at times if things aren't working correctly. I know some people will always continue to talk about the lack of using a zone defense occasionally as some type of change-up. I, I personally don't love that we're that rigid defensively um curious what what are your thoughts on great guard in-game coach i mean honestly and i i this summer i and i already have about half the the clips cut up that i'll, I'll put it out at some point this summer um i i think he's a terrific in-game coach and uh as you know as bo ryan would say you can't yell the ball into the hoop uh you know, using, I don't know if anyone's familiar with shot quality, they do incredible work, highly, it, it's a really objective way at looking at what an offense does, not, it, it's very process oriented, not results oriented, which I think is a better indicator of, you know, is your in-game coaching work? Is the systems that you're implementing, is it working? And in short, I, you know, I can dive into it greater detail another day, but in short, I think he's a terrific in-game coach. I think that what he is drawing up works and part of why it didn't work and which is also his fault and worth acknowledging, they had terrible depth last year. They, they, they had very few playable guys. If you wanted to hang around in a game, realistically, you had six and a half people, depending on the game that you could have in important situations. And they ran, they ran those players into the ground. And that's part of why they, they weren't connecting it that well from beyond the arc at the end of the year. I mean, no, I, I'm not concerned about his in-game coaching whatsoever. It roster management is another discussion. You know, I, I think that played a role into why maybe people think that. Yeah. I, I, that's mostly where I'm at. Uh, something my dad told me one time that always stuck with me is, the right tool makes all the difference, right? You have a great craftsman, but if he doesn't have the right tools, he's not going to build the boat. Um, you, you, I shouldn't use boats on this show with the, the guy across the river, actually. But the point is you need the right tools to implement your system, in which you very correctly uh, point out that's still on great guard, but that doesn't mean he's a bad in-game coach. 
I want to finish up here because we're already getting to 40 minutes. I don't want to take any more of your time or anyone else's time. This settle this question for me because Rajiv and I believe with Rajiv, love him to death, the greatest guy ever. Him and I, we, we disagree. Him. He's unbelievable, right? Uh, he's the most popular guy in the show, by the way. Every every show gets like 17 comments about Rajiv, and like Justin and I split one in terms <laughs> of positivity. Uh, he loves Isaac Lindsley. He he likes the size, the the poise, the shooting ability. I tend to think the athleticism. It and again, I, I would love to be wrong on this. Like if he goes out and, and balls out next year, it's amazing. I, I would cheer for everybody. I don't think he has the athleticism at the Big Ten level to be a, a regular contributor. Where are you at on Isaac Lindsay? Not with Rajiv. Okay. <laughs> I, I I I like a lot of things about Isaac Lindsay. Um, at, at this level, I don't think that he's someone that you want to have to rely on for more than a couple of minutes, or even in a perfect world, to be playing a consistent rotational role. And that's not to knock him. You know, it, a lot of it is just size and athleticism. And those are things that I, I, ju- I just don't think are going to translate. Um, however, the guy is a terrific shooter. You know, obviously, I, I before his career is over in Wisconsin, if what he did in that first half against Purdue is any indicator of what he's capable of, the guy is going to end up having a Rob Wilson yeah. moment at some point in his career where it's just his night and he goes off for like 28 or something. He's a a microwave shooter and nobody loves his own shot more other than maybe Marcus Silver. I love it. No, that's great stuff. Um, We got to cut it here. We could talk literally uh, Dylan and I with these comments. We could talk all day um, basketball and we'll, we'll find more time to do that for sure. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. And we chop up football too. Make sure again, well, well, I'm going to post the links. Make sure you go check out what he's doing at Badger Notes. It's incredible work, and they're building something really special over there. Um, and I like to think that they have the same type of, of vision that we have for this community. Um, we also talked about doing a live meetup together. We did a, a live meetup for Lockdown Badgers. We'd love to get the, the, lock, uh, the Badger Notes guys together as well. That would be a lot of fun. So maybe look for that this year if we can make it, uh, make it happen. But uh, Dylan, anything else? No, I, I just appreciate you all for having me and for anyone who is willing to Tune in and listen to my incoherent ramblings. I appreciate it. I love it. On Wisconsin, I appreciate everybody so, so much, and uh, we'll talk later.